You're listening to Parenting in the First Three Years, the place where we explore the strategies and soul of parenting from pregnancy through the first three years of life. I'm your host, Ann McKittrick. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined me. You know, today we're going to talk about music and how it affects babies. And I want to start out with a story. We used to have a little foster baby. He came to us, and he was six weeks old, and he was just really hurt. That's why he was in the foster system. Someone had abused him, and he was just full of broken bones. And so this little baby, he comes into our house, and, you know, he's just, he's in so much pain. It was just the saddest thing. I remember one night I was sitting there in a rocking chair. We have this real nice cushy swivel rocking chair in our family room and I had him and I was you know trying to soothe him he was just crying so hard he was tired and needed to go to sleep but just really couldn't relax and I started singing John Lennon's song um, Beautiful Boy and I don't know if you know that song but the the lyrics go uh, close your eyes have no fear the monster's gone he's on the run and your daddy's here. And of course, I didn't use the word daddy. I changed it to your friend is here. Um, and then the chorus is very rhythmic. Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. Beautiful, 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 beautiful boy. And whenever I started singing that song, he stopped crying. It was almost like magic. So of course, I repeated my experiment <laughs> in the days to come. And I learned that every time... I sang that song, it would soothe this little baby. He loved that song. And so I just am so curious, why is that? Why that one song? And so I think it's really interesting to explore what is it that makes children do what they do. That's why I love child development. Another thing I love is that parents will intuitively do the very things that their baby or their child needs at that time. I'll bet you a dollar that when your baby cries or your toddler cries, that you pick them up and you do these certain things. You rock them, you pat their back, you speak rhythmically, you might sway your body, or you might go for a walk and kind of walk in a real steady, rhythmic way. Almost every person who picks up a crying baby will do this, and I know because I have this little experiment that I do, and I do training with early childhood teachers. I play a sound of a child crying and then I give someone a baby doll and ask them to soothe this baby and they do exactly those same things that I just described everybody does it and so in this episode I'm going to just dig a little bit into why this is and give you some really great reasons three big reasons why music and moving your body and your baby's body is beneficial when it comes to their development and it's way beyond just getting them to stop crying. One thing that researchers have found is that music is very it's very primal to parts of your brain. You know, if you just go onto TikTok or YouTube or something and you search babies dancing, you will see that babies just naturally move and sway to music without anybody teaching them to do that. You know, our bodies just can't help but react physiologically to musical input. And if you go to any kind of exercise class, they always have really great music 
to go along with really hard exercises. It just makes it easier. Or when you're, you know, doing anything, if you put music on, it just makes a task easier. So let's start with lullabies that you sing to your baby. You know, lullabies have forever been a very powerful tool in helping a child settle down. And when you help your baby calm down, you are helping support their self-regulation. And that's defined as the ability to manage your own state of emotions and also your physical state. And so this is one of the goals of early childhood is we want our children to learn how to regulate themselves and regulate their behavior. And so when, a, when you soothe your baby, when you pick up your baby and you, you sway and you pat and you sing a lullaby, um, they are learning how to soothe themselves as you soothe them. So let's just think a little bit about what lullabies are like. One thing is that they are usually pretty slow. There's usually a repeated musical pattern in the song. And um, oftentimes, we just kind of instinctively make up lullabies. I used to work with this woman. Her name was Doris. And she and I had a class of eight babies at a university child development program. And so every single day, we had the task of putting these eight babies to sleep for their naps. And, um, <laughs> and so we spent a lot of time putting babies to sleep. And so Doris would always sing this song that her mother had sung to her. And Doris was my mother's age. And so she was considerably older than me at the time. And, um, and it was a song that, you know, it just had one repeated phrase, bio baby. And evidently there was some baby doll way back when, when this woman created this song called the Bio Baby. If you look it up, you can find these vintage dolls called Bio Baby. But anyways, Doris had this little lullaby that she had um, sang to the babies. I learned it from her. I used it because it worked. (laughs) And then I have used it with every baby, my own children, all these foster babies. I've even used it with our grandchildren. It's a great little lullaby. And the reason that it's good is because it has a repeated pattern to it, but then it also has a variation to that pattern. And so when you sing this lullaby and you pat, you know, oftentimes it's a, a, a steady one, two, one, two, as you sing the song, but then every now and again, you change that rhythm a little tiny bit. And the baby takes in this pattern and they hear it and they feel it simultaneously and they begin to stop crying because of the rhythm of this pattern and they eventually will even take on this pattern in their breathing or their sucking to match the rhythm of the song and as you can as you can imagine you can just feel this little baby's body relax as they take in this rhythm and let it soothe them and um and that's how they fall asleep And so I have seen it over and over and over again that this rhythm and this pat seems to really, really work. And this pattern is associated into the brain um, with relaxation. And so eventually what you want is for your baby to be able to find those patterns and you will see them doing it on their own when they're trying to soothe themselves as they are learning this self-regulation. When you see a child pick up their lovey, put their thumb in the mouth, and suck rhythmically, that to me is a really good example of a baby who has internalized these patterns as a way to calm themselves. 
And so even though this intuitive behavior that parents have um, isn't intentional, actually what you're doing is you are teaching math concepts, which is their cognitive development. You're teaching them patterns. You're teaching them faster and slower. And um, what the research has shown is that a child's ability to feel and express a steady beat is correlated with achievement test scores in the first and second grade. And so um, being aware of a beat and being able to pat it out or to clap it or to, you know, move your body to music is actually helping them be successful when they get into, old, uh, into elementary school, amazingly enough. So as you can imagine, these lullabies that you sing with your baby are enhancing your relationship with them. It's creating a connection, which is, um, you know, supporting your child's social emotional development. Also, your baby, as they begin to take these rhythms and learn to soothe themselves with it, they are, in a very quiet and unknown way, they are developing self-confidency and self-efficacy because they are learning how to take care of themselves. So those are some of the benefits of lullabies and using music and rhythm to soothe a child when they're crying or trying to get to sleep. Let's look at some other ways that music supports a child's development. Music and movement really does support their physical development. Um, you know, if you think about it, you know, obviously their gross motor or their large motor development, whenever a child moves and sways to music, then they are learning how to coordinate their body. They are really practicing balance. If you see a toddler who's swaying and kind of moving back and forth on their feet to music as they dance, um, they are having to figure out where their body is in space and Oftentimes, they will fall over on the floor and, you know, lose their balance, which is part of the fun. So just the, the, the physical aspect of music and dancing and rhythm is, is a really important and fun way to enjoy music with your kid. There's also the bilateral coordination that takes place. Anytime a child crosses the midline, they are using both sides of their body together, which is mirrored in the brain as using both sides of their brain together. And so um, their, their brain has to communicate in order to coordinate these movements. So clapping is an example of this. Another is anytime a child is like playing a drum or they've got some wooden spoons in your kitchen and they're whacking on a bowl or a pan that you've set on the floor, um, shaking a maraca, even doing something like the hokey pokey, where you have to put your hand in and out and those kinds of things. Those are ways that you are supporting this, this type of physical coordination with your kid. And so that's another benefit of music. There's cognitive skills that come with music, and that is, um, you know, a lot of songs are counting songs. And I'm sure that you can remember <laughs> way back from your own childhood, the Barney songs. It was a ton of counting songs there. And the rhythm and repetition of these songs helps children remember the numbers. And even though in a math sense, they are not necessarily learning number, like in air quotes, um, the same way, they are learning the pattern and the memorizing the way the numbers go, which is one of the important components of math, math thinking. Music is a really important part of memory development as well. 
I'm sure that you can understand or remember that there are certain songs that you sing to remember certain things. And I have little ditties that I sing to myself to remember even, um, you know, the way to spell certain words. And so um, music really does help our memory. Babies as young as eight months have shown uh, recognition of a familiar piece of music um, even after they haven't heard it for a couple of weeks. Even a newborn baby will respond to music that has been played while they were in the womb. If they've heard it a lot, they will respond to that particular music. It will be soothing to them even, you know, even though they're just days or weeks old. So there's a good reason to put some music around your belly when you're pregnant and let that little baby hear good music before they're even born. Of course, there's lots of language and literacy that comes out of music. Um, A child, when they listen to the words of the songs that you sing, they are taking in a receptive vocabulary. And then as they begin to sing these songs back to you, that's their expressive vocabulary. And you can talk about what the words in the song mean, and they are learning new words as you sing songs to them. Another benefit of music is that um, it can turn chaos into peace. Just imagine you're having a crazy day at your house or in the car and there's a lot of noise going on. If you'll just turn it off, have a little silence, and then turn on something that's very soothing, then oftentimes children will respond to that in a very positive way. In one of the infant classrooms at one of the very first college programs that I worked at, the the playlist that we used for nap time every day was Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And that music is just very, very beautiful. It's very soothing. And it was great nap time music. So I'd, I'd encourage you to find some classical music that you love, whether it's you know the, the, pl- the classics from way back or some of the modern day classical music that's very beautiful and soft. And use that in your house and in your car to help soothe your baby, especially if they're feeling a little bit, uh, you know, upset. Um, of course, you can do the opposite effect. You can use happy music and, and, you know, loud, playful music to bring up the mood in the house and to make everybody feel, you know, feel better with a spontaneous dance party or whatever. And then the very last thing I want to wrap up with is just the... Um, inclusion of rhythm and beat to get attention and to um, stimulate memory. You know, whenever you are trying to get your child's attention, and I'm thinking of these two and a half, three-year-olds now, (laughs) the ones who really, uh, you know, can ignore you, if you will put some rhythm into your words, then oftentimes they'll pay attention and attend to you a little bit easier. So, for example, it's time to go get in the car, and they're playing, and they don't want to stop. If you will just say, it's time to get in the car, it's time to get in the car, then they will respond to that a lot differently than if you just say, it's time to get in the car, let's go. It's time to get in the car. (laughs) And so when you use this rhythm to kind of punctuate your words, then they're more apt to listen and, um, and it also just makes things a little bit more playful. You know, one of the great things about music is that it also helps you and helps you feel better. When you have music playing that you love, it just makes things better inside your head, inside your heart. And I like to think of that little baby I mentioned at the very beginning. I like to think that 
even though he's a teenager now, and he probably has absolutely no memory of me in a conscious way as his mother for 15 months. I believe that if he were to hear John Lennon's beautiful boy, I think that somewhere deep inside of him, he would find peace, and it would be a warm, fuzzy feeling for him. And I just, you know, it's one of the things that I hold on to. In fostering, you really, you don't have a lot of follow-up. In fact, we've had no follow-up with any of the babies we cared for. And so um, you just kind of have to wonder and hope and pray for those little ones and uh, as they go through their life and and uh, hope that they are, are good. And I believe that they are. So here's three things you can do today with your little one. First is when they are crying, try using the techniques of rhythmic padding or kind of swaying back and forth in a real uh, rhythmic way or singing a repetitive lullaby to soothe them. See if that makes any difference. The second one is to use beat when you talk to your baby. Encourage them to clap their hands or to move their body in rhythm with you or to sway in rhythm with you as you talk to them. And then last of all, just sing to your child. Songs that you know, things that maybe you remember from your own childhood, songs that you make up. You know, you can put almost any words to the tune of the ABC song, and it sounds great. You do not have to sing well to sing to your child. They just love it when you sing. If you'd like more ideas on how to support your child's development as you play and interact with them, I've got a resource entitled 20 Ways to Play with Your Baby and Toddler. It's got ways to play with your child from newborn through around age four using common items around the house like kitchen stuff, scarves, and balls, as well as the developmental stages of play and some do's and don'ts around playing with your little one. You can find it at nurturednoggins.com forward slash free, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you here for this episode. So that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. If you loved today's episode, take a minute and subscribe to our podcast. And one last thing, I'd love to pray for you and your baby if you'd like for me to. You can email me at ask at nurturednoggins.com. Your request can be as simple as just one word, or it can include an explanation. Either way, you can trust that I will pray for you. It's a quiet, simple way that I can connect with you and your family and support you in your parenting journey.